Welcome to your Natural Guide Magazine's podcast channel, Natural Conversations, where we capture the essence of living naturally by sharing inspiring life stories, learn lessons, natural living wellness tips, and more. So sit back, relax, and let us be your guide to a more natural way of life. Hi everyone, it's Kim Hudson with Your Natural Guides podcast, Natural Conversations, and we are here um, with local expert Ari Dossi, um, and we're talking about Ayurveda today, and she's going to help us learn a little bit about this, um, would you call it a diet? A, no, it's a, an ancient, um, it's a medical system. An ancient medical system, and she is an Arabic practitioner, Vedic astrology consultant, and founder of Budaya Healing. So, welcome so much, Ari Dasi. I really appreciate you being here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me here, Kim. Yeah, yeah. So, I yeah, I'm so excited just to pick your brain about um, Ayurveda and um, you know have our listeners learn a little bit more about it and how to incorporate the principles in their life mm-hmm. um so let's yeah let's get started and i'm going to go ahead and just ask the mm-hmm. question of all questions which is what is ayurveda oh i love that question uh, it's my favorite one yeah so we'll just start <laughs> off easy and we'll get into the hard stuff in a minute <laughs> very good so as um as we said Ayurveda is an ancient Indian medical science. It's over 5,000 years old and it's the oldest recorded medical science. And what's really amazing about it is it's completely comprehensive. So Ayurveda is a Sanskrit word. Um, Ayu means means life and Veda means knowledge. So Ayurveda literally means the knowledge of life itself. Um, and what makes Ayurveda completely unique is in its comprehensiveness is it focuses not just on um, particular parts of the body and their function it doesn't focus on alleviating symptoms um, it doesn't focus specifically on diet but it takes into account every aspect of, of your life Wow. Um, so that would be the body, the mind, emotions, and the spirit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Is that is that how we is is Ayurveda? I know I'm saying that wrong. And correct me. Is that the foundation of the whole mind, body, spirit movement? The holistic movement. Is are it you, derived from that? Are you talking about the current holistic yeah. movement? So that's a bit of a loaded question. Okay. Um, you could, you, you could, in your opinion, <laughs> you could argue <laughs> either way. Um, but really, what from my own studies and observation, mm-hmm. um, the, from it started with the yoga movement okay. that you know from when uh, Yogananda became popular in the twenties and mm. he came to America and started spreading yoga. And um, what most of us don't really know is that Ayurveda is a sister science to yoga, so they come completely hand in hand. So when you practice and study yoga long enough, um, we tend to run into Ayurveda 
because they're concurrent. Mm. They're not really meant to be separate. And so you could argue that many aspects of the current movement of detoxification, um, even a popular practice like oil pulling, mm. they originate in Ayurvedic science. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> See, I didn't know that. What are some other principles or practices with Ayurveda? Yeah, so again, uh, what's really amazing about it, it's not just a diet, it's okay. a complete comprehensive lifestyle. Okay. So aside from um, having a specific diet for every individual body type, mm -hmm. um, there's a set of daily practices that is good for everyone to do. Um, and this is any sort of detoxification or um, purification aside, this is more of a daily maintenance okay. for, um, for the utmost quality of life mm. in general. And so one of the most common practices is oleation. Mm. And um, that it comes in many forms. The one we usually learn first about when we run into Ayurveda is called Abhyanga, which is self-massage with oil. Mm. Um, it's external oleation, which is application of oil to the outside of your body. Um, it nourishes all of your body tissues from the outside in, um, makes, you, uh, makes the joints and muscles pliable and soft, and um, actually strengthens all of your tissues as well. So that is a really important daily regimen. Another one that many of us have heard of is tongue. So it's like massaging, yeah. sorry, it's like mm -hmm. massaging yourself on a daily basis. Exactly. You should, is there a specific type of oil you should use or is it just any kind of mm -hmm. carrier oil that we're used to? Yeah, so the most common oil is sesame oil because oh, okay. it's balancing for, it's considered balancing for all of the body types. Wow. Yes. It, it trumps coconut oil. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, laugh because coconut oil is like all things are coconut oil. Yeah, so, well, or olive oil. Um, that's it's kind hmm. of another misconception. Yeah. Um, coconut oil has a very cooling quality to it, hmm. um, so many contraindications um, arise from that, including wow. using it in the winter or in cold weather and rainy weather, and for any body types that already are um, heavy and cold, which are the same qualities as coconut oil. Wow. So sesame oil yeah. is very slightly heating and um, it's it's very nourishing and is makes it very easy for any body type to absorb. Wow, okay, so, so you just put a little bit on your hand and massage yourself in the morning. Yeah, so you, joints, you warm your, it up. Yeah. Typically, we okay. want to use um, as you know, a lot, a lot of oil, just so you can easily cover the entire surface of your body. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, typically you start with the arms and legs going lengthwise on the longer areas and um, in circles around the joints, and then <laughs> right this down, and then you <laughs> get, um, and then slowly work inwards towards the heart. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm, wow. Yeah. I'm gonna start doing that. Okay. And it's, yeah, and the amazing thing about it, it's also a practice of self-love because oh. you're kind of forcing yourself to love yourself by yeah. giving yourself a massage every wow. morning. Mm -hmm. Super cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what else? What other practices or principles should we know? Well, another really popular one that's been cropping up lately yeah. is tongue scraping. Tongue scraping. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, if you've heard of using a tongue scraper in the morning after brushing your teeth, 
Um, that is an Ayurvedic practice. Wow. Yeah. So most commonly you use a copper or a stainless steel tongue scraper. There's okay. other um, uh, metallic ones out there like silver or even gold sometimes. Wow. But the most common and the cheapest one is typically copper. Okay. Um, so I, w- I would avoid plastic. Um, but So there's like a copper tongue scraper. It's, it's like a thin piece strip of metal that's uh, bent into a U shape and it's used to scrape the tongue from the back to the front and it's done first thing in the morning because when we wake up if you ever noticed we have um, a slight coating on the tongue and um, some of us if we have a lot of toxins in our body it's pretty thick Um, and when you scrape off that coating of toxins that the body has removed through it's a process in the nighttime. Um, it's like giving yourself a kickstart for purification early wow. in the morning. Mm-hmm. Now, is that should that is that in conjunction with oil pulling, or is oil pulling a whole separate thing? Does that even is that even in the in the realm of what we're discussing, or is that some fad again? Well, there's again that that's oil pulling is kind of a debatable subject. Mm. Um, because some say it's an ancient Ayurvedic practice, and others say that it's actually a modification of mm. an Ayurvedic practice. Okay. Um, so typically, of course, oil pulling has its benefits, mm-hmm. um, as many people claim to have received from practicing it daily for mm-hmm. a long period of time. I don't doubt its benefits in any way, but um, there's actually been um, people who have tried to find a source for oil pulling in the scriptures of Ayurveda and haven't found it. And the closest thing that they have found is called um, Gandusha, which is an oil gargle. And it helps, um, that's more done for the back of the throat. Mm. Um, It has different properties depending on the oil you use and the time of day. Um, But that's also, it's it's also one of the daily practices in Ayurveda. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, is there any other ones you want to share <laughs> and that are on the tip of your tongue? No pun intended. Well, if you'd like, we can. Um, there's kind of a re- a daily regimen that you'd want to go through in um, uh, in relation to practices and timing, and it all comes. It oh. all it goes together with the time of day you want to eat meals. Um, when you want to wake up and go to sleep, it's all um, time. Yeah, it's, it's all timely, and it yeah. all is um, it is used together. So, like the the practices of Ayurveda aren't separate from the diet; they're not done separately from the timing and uh, the lifestyle. Wow. Yeah. Wow, it's like you said, very comprehensive. Yeah. So when we talk about um, Ayurvedic body types I've kind of learned a little bit about that what are they (laughs) and what are the doshas yes because yeah I want to learn a little bit more about that I'm sure people out there do too so okay explain to us a little bit about that subject okay so the doshas um are they've had many translations but in general they're uh ayurvedic body types Mm -hmm. or body humors 
and um, they're based in the concept of the five elements. And the five elements are just the five basic qualities that make up the entire universe. Ah. Um, so they're not meant to be taken literally, they're actually just qualities of what the universe is made up of. Okay. So those five elements are ether, air, fire, water, and earth. And those elements um, in, in different combinations create the three doshas. So there are three main Ayurvedic body types. Everyone has a certain ratio of all of them in their body. Mm. Um, some people have one predominant dosha, some have two, and in very rare cases, someone has an equilibrium of all three of them. But that's wow. the most rare one. Wow. Um, so the three doshas um, are each a combination of two elements. The first one is vata. Um, which is a combination of ether and air. If you think about the qualities of air and ether, they're very light, mobile, dry, cold, brittle. If you just think about those qualities um, and imagine them, those are the qualities of vata. And the next one is called pitta. Mm -hmm. It's fire and a little bit of water just mm -hmm. to give it substance, but mostly it's fire. And if you think about the qualities of fire, it's very hot, mm -hmm. it's very intense, mm -hmm. sharp, penetrating, um, that, those kinds of qualities. And then the final one is called kapha, and that's a combination of water and earth. Mm. And if you think about what Sounds water nice. and earth make, that's it's kind of like mud, right? Oh, okay. So it's cold and heavy and unctuous mm. and sticky, and it's um, it's very stable too. Okay. Um, it's actually a really it, it's considered the um, one of the best doshas to have mm -hmm. in your nature, mm -hmm. um, especially in the current world that we're living in, mm. which is very vata vitiated, mm. which means it's very stressful. We're always moving, always on yes. the go, drinking tons of coffee, yeah. um, and aggravating all those qualities of movement and lightness and st stress. So how do you know which body type you're, you are? Mm -hmm. So there's a... Um, several different factors that play into that. The simplest one is to just look at the physical qualities of the person. Mm. Um, so a vata body type is typically very lean with thin structure, thin bones. Um, they usually don't tend to gain weight. Um, they're either very tall or very short mm. and um, they either move a lot or talk a lot or have trouble sitting still, oh, kind of like yeah. the wind. Okay. Um, a pitta body type is somewhere in the middle. It's like a medium build. Um, they have pretty good muscle development. They uh, tend to run hot and their skin is usually pinkish or reddish. You know, those fiery mm. colors. Mm -hmm. um, they have an intense voice and an intense gaze. They're very penetrating like fire. Mm. Um, also having red or blonde hair, that very um, very bright color of hair mm. typically gives it away as well. Really? Wow. Um, yeah, and kapha is, um, they're very stable, they have larger structure, they're more um, prone to gaining weight, they okay. have more of that heaviness to their bodies, roundness, well-developed features, big eyes, big nose, big lips. Um, 
I'm sure we've, we all know those people who have those beautiful, big, round features mm-hmm. on their face. So that's typically a kapha person. Wow. And they tend to be calm and don't talk very much. Wow. <laughs> now, now I'm going to have to, like, every time I meet someone, I'm going to, like, classify them into yep. these three <laughs> categories. I'm be like, are you a pitta, pitta? But, um, yeah, that's so interesting. So when we talk about these, what also fascinates me is the diet or food suggestions for Mm. these three type of bodies. Yes. So not only all of us humans have those qualities of the doshas, but actually everything else that we can see in the world has those qualities as well. Wow. And we can can determine the dosha of the food or the plant or the herb or any object just by observing its qualities and then matching them up with the dosha that they belong to. So um, typically, if you have a certain dosha that's predominant or a certain dosha that's very aggravated, meaning it's mm. there's too much of it and it's causing issues because it's out of balance, mm. you want to avoid the foods and the substances that have those same qualities because like increases like. That's uh, that's the typical, um, that's the typical rule. So, for example, if someone suffers from chronic congestion and they wake up with really puffy eyes and have lots of edema and water retention, that's a obvious aggravation of the water element, which belongs to kapha. And so, you'd want to avoid kapha foods. And kapha wow. foods are heavy and cold and sticky, and um, are dairy or wheat or really sugary substances which all have those qualities wow (laughs) mind blown okay (laughs) wow so yeah if you feel a certain way if you feel bloated or like yeah too much of something then you want to balance it with its opposite generally that is the safe observation. Okay. Um, it's always better to see an Ayurvedic practitioner because okay. symptoms can okay. be um, they can be ca- caused by several different things. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And it all it all oh. depends on we'll get into um, that what's really <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, to to ask you about that, mm-hmm. when you go see an Ayurvedic practitioner, I mean, are there certain things that we should look for just like any other health practitioner um, or be aware of you mean in choosing an ayurvedic yeah, practitioner yeah thank you yes uh, so um i would say the general rule is to make sure they practice what they preach okay. um so ayurveda is um it's one it's a sister science to yoga so it's actually a very spiritual science okay so um I want to use some words that we should probably get into in another podcast. (laughs) Um, But basically, you, a lot of it is, um, and I would say this this goes for choosing any practitioner or any teacher or anyone whose energy you're receiving. Just make sure that it feels right to you. Um, And if the person has been able to help themselves and is very knowledgeable about this um, about this science, then I would say um, you 
can you can trust them. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is about how they make you feel yeah. and how you feel in their presence. Yeah. Um, so uh, aside from that, um, amount of time that someone has been practicing is also very important because they say to really master Ayurveda, you have to have been practicing at least 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, by no means am I a master of Ayurveda. <laughs> You're on your way. You're on your way for sure. One day. One day soon. But yeah, and I say that because a lot of people, including myself, they just take the easy way out and let's just say we'll Google or we'll, you know, go on um, Pinterest or use those mm-hmm. kind of, you know, easy, accessible ways to learn about something, but it may not be true or it may not be factual. And so it's important mm-hmm. to know if you are interested in learning how to be more Ayurvedic mm-hmm. or um, incorporate those practices in your life, where should you go look for that information that is credible and viable so that mm-hmm. you're not harming yourself more than, you know, yeah, hurting yourself more than good, you know. Exactly. Well, the best um, the best source of that information and guidance would definitely be from an Ayurvedic practitioner or an Ayurvedic doctor. Okay. Um, and so for for things that are typically harmless, like the daily practices of Ayurveda that you do yourself at home, um, it's it's quite all right to find those online, um, especially if you find multiple sources and they're credible and they all say the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are safe to practice, but then there's lots of practices that aren't quite safe to DIY. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, detoxification. um, Any sort of Ayurvedic detoxifications should typically be done under the observation of an Ayurvedic practitioner or doctor. Mm. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, when, so we're just, you know leading a little bit more into um, Ayurvedic wellness. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any additional wellness habits that you can share, or that you want to share, or did we share them all? Well, I yoga. Go I guess yoga is a good one. What, what about? So yoga is a very yeah. good one. Yeah. Um, again, it's a sister science, so they're very um, they're very conducive to each other. Um, and they're, they're actually meant to be practiced together. And Okay, that was my question mm-hmm. was, do you, should, do you have to do one and do you have to do them both? I mean, in order to really feel the effects of, um, you know, just feel the effects of the healing or just the medicine itself and wellness aspect, should you do some sort of Ayurvedic derivative exercise to eating to mental practices, etc. I mean, it, it's you, should you be more comprehensive and not just do, I'm going to do this one day, I'm going to do, yep. you know, the tongue thing yesterday, you know, yes. rather than be sporadic. Is Absolutely. It, okay. So okay. being sporadic is never going to be very effective. Um, just like, you know, you can't really expect that if you eat um, a great Ayurvedic diet and take some herbs, but then you stay up late and party and drink all night, it's not going to be very nice. effective. Okay. Um, okay. So that's the yogic lifestyle is very conducive to the Ayurvedic one. Okay. In fact, they're meant to be practiced together and not separated. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so if, if I can get very quickly into the, <clears throat> excuse me, the yeah. uses of the three, um, of the three most common Vedic sciences okay. that most people know about. Okay. Um, 
this kind of gets into comprehensive Vedic healing in general. Okay. Um, so Ayurveda is... Let me start from the other end. Okay. So Vedic astrology, it's the science of um, the cosmos. Okay. And it's the healing concerned with... Um, the nature of the cosmos and the cosmic energies and how to live in harmony with them. Hmm. Ayurveda. Wow, let's just pause because that was so good. How to like say that one more time if you can. Because it was so good. It like hit me and then it just left. And yeah. I just want to catch on to it one more time. Yeah. So I just want to enjoy that moment. Vedic astrology yeah. is the science of how to live in harmony with the energies of the cosmos. I mean, that is just brilliant. Okay, mm-hmm. I love that. Then, um, Ayurveda okay. is the science of how to live in harmony with your inner and the outer nature. Okay, okay. And then yoga is... Pause. <laughs> yoga is the science okay, of... She said pause, that's good. <laughs> okay. Yoga is the science of how to... Tune into your true inner nature. Wow. Yeah, you're right. That deserved a pause. Pause again. Wow. Okay. So really, wow. separating those three is kind of like trying to separate body, mind, and spirit. Wow. You just can't because wow. they come together. Well, not to deviate from mm-hmm. the, the middle, the Ayurveda. With Vedic astrology... I mean, do we just sit down, let's say, with you, and you... Is it the same as tarot cards, or no? Not at all. Okay. So, no tarot cards are used. Okay. Um, Vedic astrology, not to get too deep into it, because yeah. it's an entire science in itself. It's a whole nother um, But uh, the way that it's used um, together with Ayurveda, and that's actually what I'm certified in, is Ayurvedic astrology, mm-hmm. um, connecting those two sciences, um, is when you look at someone's chart and you see the different energies that are working in their um, in their body mind um, being, mm-hmm. you can see where there's um, certain energies in certain locations of their body. Wow! And you can see sometimes from a chart a fine tuning of symptoms someone would have of diseases someone is prone to, um, and it of course is used together with Ayurvedic of with the Ayurvedic analysis, the physical analysis. Um, but it's, it's kind of, for Ayurvedic purposes, it's used to fine-tune um, the, ana- the physical analysis. Okay, so, we'll, so we should, of course, do that. And then go into an Ayurvedic wellness. What would you call it? It's not diet. I'm trying to th- lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. lifestyle. It's a diet and a lifestyle. Okay, yeah. and then do yoga, and then you'll exactly. be set. <laughs> yeah. So no, but that'll. Yeah, I love how that te- that moves you like perfectly. Mm-hmm. Mind, body, and I love that. Exactly. So good. So good, Haridati. <laughs> it's so good. Now, quickly, um, while I have you here, because. You and I talked a little bit about this um, before the podcast, which which was about adaptogens mm-hmm. and um, how I feel like I keep hearing them come up, um, and I want to know a little bit more about them because they do have um, some herbs that are, um, I guess, used in Ayurvedic 
diet sometimes, um, but maybe you can touch a little bit more on them. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Of course. Okay, cool. So let me just start by saying that, like I mentioned before, every single um, herb, plant, substance has the, its own qualities. Okay. Um, the thing that unifies the set of herbs that we call adaptogens is their nutritive quality. It's the quality that you could say in Ayurveda um, promotes kapha dosha. Mm. It means it has, um, they tend, adaptogenic herbs tend to have more qualities of water and earth, okay. which means they're nutritive, rejuvenative, they stabilize our mm -hmm. bodies and minds. Um, they're used to regenerate and build tissue mm. um, rather than, you know, detoxify the body. Um, so some very popular adaptogenic herbs like ashwagandha mm -hmm. and shatavari are very typical Ayurvedic herbs mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't know that. Mm -hmm. um, even, even the names ashwagandha and shatavari are Sanskrit. Mm. <laughs> um, ashwagandha means um, the power of the horse. It's, it's, a, it's a building adaptogen. It helps build strength and stamina and tissue in the body. And shatavari typically is used for um, for females, but it can be used for males as well. But shatavari means um, she who has a thousand husbands. Mm. So uh -oh. you can <laughs> I don't want to take exactly. that. You can see how it much won. stamina it provides. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. Wow. Yeah, but basically, um, again, those even just those two uh, very popular herbs are you can you can see that they have. This, these qualities of nutritive, um, rejuvenating, building, um, which actually, and I think the reason that adaptogens have become so popular is because most of us need the qualities of kapha in our lives. Mm. Because our lifestyle, our Western world, is very vata-vitiated. We're always on the go, always stressed out, moving, need to keep working, keep working, keep moving. Mm -hmm. um, that vitiates vata, the speedy lifestyle, no time to eat, no time to rest, no time to sleep. It all vitiates vata. And so adaptogens offer that opposite energetic quality um, to help stabilize us somewhat. Wow, thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm still on that. She who has a thousand husbands. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to look that up. Wow, um, that's... Yeah, I, I love adaptogens. I mean, I, I like learning about adaptogens and also Ayurvedic um, properties and, you know, just that whole, mm -hmm. yeah, lifestyle. It's amazing. Yes. And we can talk for hours and we might yes, again someday. <laughs> um, because I know I have some questions that will come about because of this talk. But if, if somebody does have a question or if they do want to get more information on Vedic healing or Ayurvedic um, diet, wellness, or you know maybe the Vedic astrology and they want to talk to you, how is the best way to do that? So um, I can be reached at my business email. It's very simple. It's healing at budaya.com. That's healing at B-U-D-H-A-Y-A.com. And I do have a website, which is still um, in the process of being built somewhat, but it's just budaya.com. 
Okay, great. Yeah, yeah that's, and yeah, please. Yeah, and I do have a Facebook and Instagram okay. as well. All right, so mm-hmm. follow her. She's yeah. great. Very, very interesting. Um, well, thank you so much, Ari Dari, for Dossi's, for coming. Ari Dossi. Yes. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much and for being having a guest. Me, yes, I love talking with you. You always blow my mind. Um, and thank you all for joining this uh, episode of Natural Conversations. Um, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, web, at Your Natural Guide. You know where to find us. But thank you again, and you all have a great day.